Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another exciting episode of Thriller Crypto. Today, we're talking Ray Dalio's new research note. Research? No, research. Everyone shrugs off Libra because why the hell do we care? And then finally, that's right, we're talking Ethereum 2.0, baby. That's right, it's a preview, preview episode, and we're in phase zero. What does that mean? Well, we're gonna talk about it, man. So stay tuned, strap back, Thriller Crypto, starting now. gentlemen boys and girls how you doing today is <laughs> july 19th 2019 and i'm happy to be here are you not entertained <laughs> just kidding okay we got to talk about some serious stuff today man get with it car i'm trying i'm trying okay so first up we got this was coming straight from the block crypto.com ray dalio's new research note urges investors to find the next best storehold of wealth when central banks devalue the fiat system. I wonder what he's talking about. Well, he recently released a LinkedIn kind of, gosh, it was like a two-pager of uh, titled Paradigm Shifts. Basically, it summarizes of ideas of Ray Dalio that he has formed throughout his career studying markets and targeting, I mean, just really focused on this past year to study economic and market moves in major countries all over the last uh, 500 years. And so he released this like two page document explaining everything. And if you don't know who Ray Dalio is, he's like one of the biggest um, investors in uh, in the world. He's a billionaire at that. And he's a co-chairman of Bridgewater Associates. And he's also just a really good guy. I mean, if you see the guy on, on, on YouTube or anywhere, he's always just like sharing knowledge. It's pretty awesome. He has talked about Bitcoin in the past, but he didn't talk about Bitcoin in this note. But he did talk about it in 2017, and I wouldn't say he's bullish, but he is open to the idea. Take a listen as he talks about Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. There are two purposes of a currency, a medium of exchange and a storehold of wealth. I can have a bond or so on. Um, and then there's the question of which one. Is it Bitcoin, Ethereum? Is it going to be another technology question? Okay, so all of those things are on the table. Right now, it's, um, it's not an effective medium of exchange. You, you know, you, I get some Bitcoin, I want to go spend the Bitcoin. You can't use it as an effective medium of exchange other than in a very limited number of cases, which can also be threatened in terms of what the secrecy of those transactions are and things that are being done by governments to uh, get beyond that secrecy. So it's not an effective uh, medium of exchange as of now, and it's not an effective uh, storehold of wealth. And that's because the speculation on it 
is such and the participant in it um, is um, something that I would say is a classic bubble kind of situation. I mean, if you look at the nature of the participant in it and you say, what is the level of sophistication in their understanding the ability? Is Do we have a sophisticated investor who is then actually thinking in terms of expected value, terms of what, where that's going to be and so on? Or do we have an investor who is inclined to then flip it and trading in and out? And what's that component? You can, by the way, have a wonderful investment that's a long-term investment and still have a bubble in that investment. So, so I'm not saying this is a forever thing, but the nature of the participants in that investment and what they're doing has made it a bubble of, you know, a, what I, uh, doesn't mean it's a worthless investment. It just means that when you look at the characteristics of what constitutes a bubble, the purchase for resale by a naive group of people who are attracted because it's moving up, it has those bubble characteristics. Okay, and then um, and then so um, and then there's the question of what is the version of it. So if I take Bitcoin and then there's Ethereum and then there's the I don't know each one of those that might come and how will they operate? I would say that as distinct from the blockchain notion of the and the whole concept of cryptocurrency which has a lot of merit to it so um, but as a currency you can't have the volatility driven by speculation on it make it a storehold of wealth so it that's that's an its characteristics right now are standing in the way of its potential. It may be engineered differently to some extent there you know maybe if you created um, at a different engineer. If I was trying to make it effective as a currency, I would engineer how I do that differently. I won't digress into how I would engineer it to do it differently. So I think it has a lot of potential as, um, as, a, as a concept and uh, blockchain, but at the same time, it has these issues I'm referring to. So he finished off this note and he said that he basically concluded that Investors need to consider adding gold to their portfolios. Yeah, that's it. And other assets that perform well in times when money is deprecated. And amid all this domestic international strife, he's, I don't know, man. I think he's throwing some hints at Bitcoin. But listen to me. I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> the next thing the next thing we are going to touch on is Citigroup, JP Morgan, uh, shrug off of Libra because they don't think it's going to impact their business. And that's right. So this whole week, we've just been talking about Facebook's Libra. I'm sure you've seen all sorts of just comments and stuff from the Senate hearing and uh, stuff from just everywhere with David Marcus. And we covered it earlier in the week. I'm frankly tired of talking about it at this point. But there's a vast majority of these big in, uh, institutions like JP Morgan that are calling Libra and they're kind of uh, snuffing their nose at it. So this is what uh, Betsy Grasick said on JP Morgan's earning calls. She said, a lot of times uh, initiatives like Libra highlight friction in the system and opportunities to take out fee rates of legacy businesses. I think some people might view you as a legacy business with a margin that can be taken out. She also noted that interchange fees, which banks charge merchants on each credit purchase, could be put on the chopping block under a fee compression environment. So it, it almost seems like they realize where this is going and they're willing to take the ball and score a touchdown. <laughs> we also have Mike Corbett, CEO of Citigroup. Uh, he acknowledged this week that 2019 earning calls that talked about this whole you know fee compression that gets thrown into credit card transactions, that it's worth noting that you know he's gonna bring down the price in some parts of the world. 
Now, if you look at the price per transaction on a credit card, holy hell, I don't think they're going to be able to give up that much money, man. Who are they? There's no way they're going to be able to do that. You got to think about it. Like, not many people are willing to give away stuff for free. There's a vast majority of us that do, but we're not billion-dollar companies who are greedy. Those people are. You can guarantee they're not worried about Libra. They say it's not a question of it. It's when the digital currency comes. It's that currency one that kind of operates as a consortium. Or is it a Federal Reserve central backed type currency? Either way, they don't care about Libra. And neither do I. <laughs> no, seriously, uh, David Marcus, in a testimony to the Senate Banking Committee, said that Calibra would operate within traditional payment processors and service providers hooked into the Libra network. He also confirmed that the Calibra wallet would offer consumer fraud protections, 24-7 customer support, and account recovery the same way other leading financial services offer. These types of value-add services would likely reduce costs into the Calibra stack. So we'll see where this goes. Meanwhile, Jamie Dimon said, we've been talking about blockchain for seven years. Seven years, I've been telling you, and very little has happened. That's right. There's no strides in this direction, and we'll be talking about Libra three years from now. So I wouldn't spend too much time on it, he says. Well, I don't think they care about Calibra or Facebook, which is good. Next up, we got Japan developed a Swift-like network for crypto payments, according to a report from the block crypto. So they say the Japanese government is reportedly leading the development of a Swift-like network for cryptocurrency payments to combat money laundering. And that network is called Swift. Yeah. A person familiar with the plan told Reuters on Thursday that the development will be monitored by an intergovernmental body. That's right. Those financial action task force team and that the government aims to launch a network in the next few years. Meanwhile, SWIFT is a messaging system used by banks to slow everything down. <laughs> but it's great that Japan is taking the initiative because they want to change the world. And then finally, we got Blockstack. They're announcing Lightning network upgrades. Way to go. We need Lightning to change the world. So I think that's all I got in the news. All right. With that, let's get into interesting video of the day. Thriller Podcast. Interesting crypto video of the day. All oh, right, ladies and gentlemen, it's for interesting video of the day, right? And the only interesting video I've seen today. There's been a lot of, uh, you know, like one liners <laughs> go on Twitter and you can see all of them. But this one caught my eye because that's right. Fox News, of all places, had on Vanek COO to talk about. That's right. A Bitcoin ETF, baby. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, he went on there and uh, the Fox News anchor charted, uh, you know, talking about XRP and other coins like that and then he said nope we're gonna talk about bitcoin etfs and i was like wow this guy taking charge focused take a listen as uh he tells us what's the update on this etf happening during today's libra cryptocurrency hearing on capitol hill where lawmakers are trying to assess how to regulate this new form of money 
fans of crypto, and we're not just talking about Bitcoin, but Ripple, Ethereum, and Litecoin have had a had an uphill battle with everyone from Congress regulators to President Trump and even Warren Buffett, who have all joined the crypto hater dogpile. But that is only strengthening the resolve of the Bitcoin believers. Here in a Fox Business exclusive is one of them, Gabor Gerbach, is head of crypto strategy at Vanek. Okay. Now you have Sherrod Brown. I mean, he all but accused him of, of, you know, shooting JFK. I mean, my goodness, it was crazy. All these accusations. You are understanding of what's going on with cryptocurrency. Where do you stand on why you feel the pile on is becoming so dramatic? I think uh, basically America realized that it needs a 10 year plan uh, to make markets great again and, and you know basically need a 10-year plan to rebuild the payments the financial infrastructure system that we are lag lagging behind numerous countries so uh, you know we we are basically the Congress and, and the government is piling on private companies be it uh, you know, Facebook's Libra or you know, other solutions out in the market uh, because they don't understand the space. Okay, well, I, wait. A lot of people watching, including in certain ways me, uh, don't understand what it really is. They can't feel it. They can't touch it. Uh, they don't know what it's backed by. At least Libra would be what's called a stable coin backed by real world assets such as the U.S. dollar or certain funds. But I, you know, I could side with the president and Buffett, and these are smart people, you know, the U.S. Congress saying we don't want snake oil salesmen to be running away with our money just because it's the new cool digital thing. Yeah, de definitely. I mean, um, basically, the, uh, the response is that uh, who, who wants a currency with Facebook's privacy problem uh, and uh, that's the secrecy of a Swiss bank, right? right. <laughs> so you know, that's sort of what people said about Libra. Now, uh, I wanted to point out that Bitcoin is very different. And in fact, Bitcoin and, and some other forms of stable coins built on Bitcoin might be the solution that, uh, that Congress should look at. Well, you've I, got the Vanek ETF that's, that's what, in, in a holding pattern, correct? What are you waiting on, regulatory approval? Yes, we are, we are waiting finally for uh, regulators to uh, to approve a Bitcoin ETF, which would b bring digital assets under the well-regulated American capital markets. Mm -hmm. And I think this could be for the next decades a driver of our economy. So, uh, as you know, we, we have seen uh, President Trump and then uh, Governor uh, Carney and then uh, Treasury Secretary Mnuchin talking about digital assets and, and cryptocurrency being mm -hmm. sort of you know, an, a negative thing. I would like to challenge them to uh, to think about another way. This may be the driver the driver to innovate and, and build, rebuild America's uh, payments and capital but markets. But when you've got Warren Buffett calling it rat poison 2.0 mm -hmm. and you have a lot of people concerned about this, what is the number one thing you'd like to say to our viewers who still aren't sold on it? Well, I wanted to say first that they should read uh, the research paper that the Vanek research team and Jan Vanek, my boss, and I put out to the market. We described there uh, how Bitcoin, uh, specifically Bitcoin, not other digital assets, can and rebuild the, the payment stress. And we also uh, discussed how stable coins uh, might be a solution. And basically, uh, we can satisfy all the regulatory needs and government needs to uh, to rebuild the market. So again, you know, Bitcoin is not Libra. There's there, Stable coins are not Libra. Vanex Gabor Gerbach. I want to believe you. I want to read your report. Vanek has it. Thank you very much. Thank you. We appreciate it. Yeah, I don't know uh, what's going to happen, but uh, all this bullish news out there. Gosh, it's looking really good for Monday. Wait, what's that? Wait, you don't know what's happening Monday? 
Wait, did nobody tell you? Okay, okay, come closer. Let me tell you. There's a act testing phase launching, by the way. Yeah. And then there's rumors that NASDAQ actually might be launching something too. Yeah, did you not hear that? <laughs> Seriously. So that's what I'm saying. Stack those Satoshis, baby. Stack those Satoshis and make them high. Make them really high. Make them dream. Make them touch the sky. Seriously. <laughs> no, it's going to be an interesting uh, weekend. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if we go back down or go back up or go back sideways or uh, go to 100 million. Who knows? We're going to talk about it, though. We're going to do some... Uh, on-chain analysis. <laughs> Seriously, coin talk. Starting now. It's time for coin talk. That's right. We talk about coins and tokens and proof of stake and not, not that kind of stake. <laughs> yeah, we talk about everything. Seriously, we talk about everything. And uh, before we do that, we always like to ease it in here. Go ahead and ease it in here. We talk about uh, just stuff that's going on. You know, stuff on my minds, stuff on y'all's minds. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's all we talk about. I really don't have anything today. <laughs> actually, no, actually, I do have something. So um, I just want to say that uh, I'm actually, like, really enjoying doing our Thriller subscription that we have during the week. Yeah, it's just it's just a different side that I'm able to focus in on. Like, seriously, like, like I'll release a Thriller Insider, and I can go really in-depth. And I, I sent that off to everybody who was signed up to our newsletter and uh, I'm going to be doing uh, free uh, monthly, uh, you know, premium shows. So at least once a month, you'll get a free premium show. So that was that was this week. I, I gave away one free premium show. And it's just that it's strange because when I do like Thriller News or Thriller Crypto, it feels very much like, you know, this is what we do. And I get to have fun. But when I do these these uh, these subscription shows, it's very much like streamlined. And it's almost like I... I turn into an analyst or a researcher. It's pretty cool. And I enjoy like really diving into this stuff and really going the extra mile and trying to find out what's going on and, and like read between the lines and, you know, watch tons of technical videos and stuff like that. So if you haven't signed up for a newsletter, go over to thrillercrypto.substack.com or thrillerx.com. Click on that newsletter tab. Just sign up. It doesn't cost anything to sign up. You sign up. It's free. You'll get your free premium episode of Thriller Insider, Thriller Rundown, Thriller Coin Talk, Thriller Insights. It just depends on what we release that week. And then you'll be able to, um, yeah, listen. And then if you ever decide to sign up, it's only 7 bucks a month or I think it's like $70 a year. A lot of people have signed up already, which is really surprising and very welcoming. Appreciate all y'all's help. Okay, we got a player to swim right now because if we don't... I don't know. I think the SEC will get us. So uh, roll the disclaimer. Remember, Thriller Podcast does not give financial advice. He cannot tell the future, even if he thinks can. He is just some dude trying to save the world one Satoshi at a time.
So today was a weird day in crypto because we started off the day in red. Like it was literally in red. Everybody was wondering like, gosh, the Senate hearing, what's going on? And then we had the whole Trump thing and then everybody started signing off on Bitcoin. And then all of a sudden it was like chaos. There's nothing really out there that shows why it should have sold off. It didn't make any sense. What were they thinking? <laughs> And then, like, all of a sudden, it shot up over 10K again, and we were up, baby! Oh, no! <laughs> dot-com era, my ass. <laughs> That's what everybody's saying. Oh, this is just like the dot-com era. The dot-com era. No, man, we've done a main topic on the dot-com era. It's not like that, bro. It's not like that. This is the real deal. This is the real deal. And its first name is Bitcoin. Yeah, serious. I'm serious, you guys and ladies and children. Everybody gathered around. Seriously, I'm serious about this. People are not paying attention to the fundamentals. <laughs> Seriously. So it, it literally declined 7K, right? That's what everybody was saying. It's it going to decline 7K. We had a massive... Famous traders out there, uh, mainly in New York, saying, hey, we're going to 6K. Uh, completely opposite. It went, it went up over 10K. And I was just I was just shocked. I was just shocked. But at the same time, my mind was coming back. Well, we got backed. And then all of a sudden, this NASDAQ rumor kind of fell in there. And I don't know. Crypto is crazy these days. It's so it's so wishy-washy, <laughs> like trying to, and I feel like we are out of this bear market. Like, I feel like we are like, seriously, we are out of this bear market, right? Because everybody's talking about it. And they spent the whole week talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, like the United States and the surrounding areas of the world who have cable television got, 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 got some education on what Bitcoin is and why it's a cryptocurrency and why this other thing called Libra is not. There's a very big possibility that uh, next week is going to be just overwhelming backed announcement talking about backed, about ETFs, about futures. It's, it almost feels like we are just ramping up here. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen, to be honest. Like, I don't know. But if it does happen, you want to be in some Bitcoin, man. You want to be in some Bitcoin while you still can. And that's what's angering everybody saying this while you still can saying this is this is the last time we're going to be under 10K. This is pissing everybody off and investing it in Bitcoin. Yeah, people are getting upset. So we can't say that anymore, ladies and gentlemen. We can't say this is the last time because there'll be many chances. And I think if you've been in this space for a long time, which you have, you have. You have, you just don't know it yet. But you have, you have learned that $10,535 Bitcoin right now, up 6% on the day, is still a good deal, right? Ethereum at $222, up 2% on the day, is also still a good deal. And we won't talk about anything money related in the main topic tonight about Ethereum, but I will tell you this, when Ethereum 2.0 gets launched next year, with phase zero, when he gets launched January 3rd, 
well, you want to be in some Ethereum. And then when they start rolling out these contracts to start staking your Ethereum, right? When that starts happening here in October, you might want to be in some Ethereum. <laughs> then that's just that's just the money side of it, right? That's the money side of it. Car, car, focus on the tech, bro. No, seriously, that's just the money side of it. We're, we're talking in coin talk. Calm down, calm down. No, but seriously, you, you want to be in some Ethereum, right? I mean, it's it's common sense, right? One plus one equals two. <laughs> Ethereum plus proof of stake equals moon. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 we're not we're not multiplying. It's not Bitcoin hex, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we're not trying to scam you, right? It's not Bitcoin SV. Come on, this is basic math. And so, there's a lot. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's, a, there's so many people who are fans of those two coins. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Come back. Come back. No. Come back. Come back. Seriously, I'm sorry. Come back, Richard Hart. Come back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're not making friends, car. You're not making friends. <laughs> you're not making friends, car. Stop. Okay. Okay, I'm sorry. Seriously. Seriously. Serious face. Serious face. I'm serious. No, seriously. Uh, <laughs> what I'm saying is you want to be in a Bitcoin. You want to be in Ethereum. These are two solid projects, right? Uh, don't listen to people that tell you everything's a scam except for Bitcoin. Those people never make any money. <laughs> like, there's a reason why they're you know doing uh, stuff online and they're just focused on that it's because they're never making any money. They're just focused on Bitcoin and that's all they're doing. I think the only person I ever heard that was actually a true maximalist is probably Max Kaiser. I mean, maybe Trace Meyer at that, but other than those two, I don't know who else. Right? I mean, I'm sure there's others, but what I'm trying to say is if your if your whole point and this is to accumulate more Bitcoin, well, you should be looking at these coin signals and knowing when this stuff is going to happen and what is going to attribute to the price of said and said currency to go up. Because there's only two things, well, actually maybe three things, actually four things. So there's a lot of things that, that make the price go up in cryptocurrencies. And we've talked about this in the past. And I want to go into it now because we've got to go into our main topic at some point. It's getting late here. It's getting late here in Austin. Um, but all I'm saying is pay, pay attention to the actual dates on a lot of things. Like that's going to tell you a lot. Listen to the traders, right? Cause they're going to tell you where we were and where we're going. Possibly no one has a crystal ball, right? And then you want to pay attention to the news, right? Guys like me, guys like uh, Crib zero, uh, people, other people in the space, you know, they'll tell you what's going on, but I would seriously temper temper, 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 <laughs> the people that are releasing FUD or making accusations or, or, you know, saying this about somebody else or just infighting, like, that doesn't make the price goes up. Like, that makes a price go down. <laughs> like, it does, right? So, you just want to ultimately just focus on, focus on the fundamentals, right? Focus on what real money is, on hard currency, focus in on where everything's going, focus in on the trading aspect of stuff, focus in on the technical analysis of all these projects, right? Guys like me covering it, ETH Hub as well. There, there's a lot of great content out there where people are deep diving into like really technical documentation and explaining it like you're five. I mean, you can find it. And it, that's how I look at everything. Like everything is an investment if you really look at it in crypto. I know some people will say, ah, oh, this guy, 
This guy gets to get off his soapbox. What is he doing? Talking about crypto like it's such the next gen. It is. <laughs> it is. It is. This is this is the next generation of solid investments. I think. I personally think. And don't get me wrong. I have a four hundred one k just like anybody else, right? All my stuff is on thrillerx.com. Go check out my about page. It tells you everything that I'm into. But uh, when it comes to cryptocurrencies, I'm bullish on a lot of these projects and I'm going to make some bets on a lot of these projects because ultimately I feel like there's going to be some that are just technically a lot better than others. And there's some that are just fucking cool. Like Ethereum, most people don't realize, but the vast majority of developers out there know Ethereum is fucking cool. (laughs) Like, And that cool factor goes a long way. It really does. It really, really does. It really, really does. It's just really good branding, right? I mean, if you really think about it, Bitcoin has great branding. Ethereum has great branding. These two currencies have really good branding. There's a reason XRP changed their logo. (laughs) Everybody was tired of looking at that ripple. It's like, what is that? Is that a spinner widget? (laughs) Who knows? What I'm saying is pay attention to everything. Pay attention to everybody in the space and then make your own opinion. That's all you got to do. Stay ahead of the curve. Okay, with that, let's get into the main topic, starting now.
The Ethereum network is one of the largest and most widely used blockchain networks in the world. It is also one of the world's largest open source projects, with GoEthereum being one of the largest projects on GitHub. Since its first release in 2015, Ethereum has been making strides towards its ultimate goal of becoming a decentralized global computer that could one day replace many of the centralized applications that we use in everyday life. However, the Ethereum community and network still has much work to do before this goal is realized. Ethereum 2.0 is a term used to describe a series of potential updates to make Ethereum faster and better. Potential updates to address current scaling issues, issues with mining, and to some extent issues with security, including proof of stake solutions which is why Ethereum 2.0 is called Serenity. And the first phase is phase zero. It will focus on the beacon chain, the fork choice, deposit contract, and finally the honest validator. So uh, what is phase zero? Uh, phase zero is the, the beacon chain is this kind of hub in a hub and spoke model. It's the, the system chain for Ethereum 2.0. It has no user transactions. And you can kind of think of it as a voting machine. So it's a, a place where we organize the voters that we call validators, and we process the votes, which are called uh, attestations. And uh, we do this in an incentive-compatible way, uh, with rewards uh, and penalties. And then uh, phases one and two, which I, I won't talk about today, is, is the shards. So phase one is the, the, the data layer for the shards, and then uh, phase two is uh, why, where you add a notion of state and the notion of, of, of execution. Uh, yeah. So today, is the focus is on, on, on phase zero, which is the, the one piece of Ethereum 2.0 where the spec is relatively mature. You know, as I mentioned, we're using ETH1 to do the economic bootstrapping of ETH2, and we use these uh, deposits from ETH1 to ETH2. And so at the very least, the Ethereum 2 chain needs to be aware of the Ethereum 1 chain. And what we do here is that we have um, <clears throat> the notion of ETH1 data. So if one data is going to be the, a, a block hash um, that is pointing to an, basically a, a, a recent block hash in Ethereum 1 land, and it's also going to have a deposit route. So the deposit route is going to be the Merkle tree of all the deposits that have been made up to that point in, in, the, <coughs> uh, in the deposit contract. And so, the, the way that we have the Ethereum 2 chain be aware of the Ethereum 1 chain is using a so-called you know, ETH1 voting committee. So we have um, a, a thousand uh, block proposers that are invited to vote on what they think is the tip of the ETH1. And if sufficiently many of these proposers agree on what the tip is, then that is what we dictate is, is the tip. 
And this, this is handled by the, the vote. So basically, every time a new block comes in, uh, that's that casting a new vote for what the Ethereum data is. And if you reach the, the, the threshold, which is uh, in this case one half, uh, then you basically update the, the latest ETH1 data. And having this, uh, as I said, as I mentioned, having this uh, the Ethereum 2 chain aware of the Ethereum 1 chain is going to be required to process the deposit. <clears throat> and we also store the latest deposit index. And the reason why we have that um, is because we want to process the deposits uh, um, in order. And we also want to force the, the validators to actually uh, process deposits if there are deposits to be, to be processed. One of the main design goals of Ethereum 2.0 is to reduce the network complexity as much as possible, even if this leads to some loss of efficiency. Now, this will be possible because the massive increase in throughput and efficiency allowed by sharding, Casper, and Ewasm. All three combined will outbalance a small reduction in efficiency in order to mitigate the additional complexity necessitated by these same systems. Another major design goal is to use cryptography and design techniques that allow for the participation of a large set of validators, both in total and per transaction. These validators will process individual shards, which will ensure that the network remains secure and decentralized. Okay, so this is kind of the, the heart, probably, of the beacon chain. This is the, the validator registry. So as I mentioned, the beacon chain is this voting machine, and we have this registry, effectively, of voters, which are the validators. Um, and uh, let's have a look at uh, what it means to be a validator. So to be a validator, you, you, um, it, it means... Uh, so we have these seven fields uh, for, for validators. And you know, validators are, are such an important object that I'm, I'm going to do a, a deep dive into those specifically. So in a way, here we have two separate pub keys, two identities per validator. We have the, the pub key, which is going to be your day-to-day your -day signing key. So if you want to sign a, a vote, an attestation, or sign a block, or sign a transfer, or whatever, you will use, um, actually, not a, not a transfer. It, uh, block um, or attestation, you will use your pub key. And then anytime you want to withdraw money out of the system, we have a separate key, and the, which we call kind of the, the withdrawal key that is uh, hidden uh, in the withdrawal credentials, the withdrawal credentials being the hash of this, of this withdrawal key. And the reason we have it is because the pub key, as a validator, you will, it, it will be a hotkey. So you need to be online, and you need to be signing the messages online. And we don't, in, if your computer is hacked as a validator, we won't, don't want you to lose all your money. So we have a separate key, which you can keep in, in cold storage, and you only use it for withdrawal events. 
And these two fields are basically specified in the, the deposit transaction that you make on Ethereum 1 to the deposit contract. So once you made the, the deposit, you eventually become registered once this if one process works. And then if your balance is greater than or equal to 31, 32 ETH, you get activated. And what does it mean to get activated? It, only, it, it basically means that your, your, your activation ep epoch is less than or equal to the, the current epoch. And then um, you have the ability to exit the system. So if uh, you know, voting on Ethereum 2.0 is not your thing and you want to leave, uh, then you, you can exit. And you can issue a so-called voluntary exit message. But there's, uh, there's actually two other ways that you can exit, uh, which are non-voluntary, which are forced. Uh, one is through uh, an ejection. So if your balance gets too low and kind of gets dangerously low, then we'll just kick you out uh, automatically. Um, and if you do something which is kind of provably bad in the voting process, and I'll talk about the various slashing conditions, there's only three of them, um, then that will also force an exit on you. And so we have this notion of uh, active validators. So the set of active validators are those that are kind of active at the present moment. And the way that you check you, the set of va active validators is you just go through the whole registry and you check that the current epoch is between the activation epoch and the exit epoch. And then once you've exited, you have to wait a little bit and then you're, you're withdrawable and you can, you can uh, send your money uh, out of the beacon chain. And then we have these two flags that are just helper flags. Number one is uh, basically specified if, you, if you've made a voluntary exit or not. Uh, and two is specifies whether you've been slashed or not. Um, the reason why we have the voluntary exit is because if you do a voluntary exit, we kind of want to queue, queue the voluntary exit so that people don't leave the beacon chain too fast. And that's helpful for, for light clients and kind of weak subjectivity. So we want the, the set of uh, valid, active validators to remain roughly constant over time, over, let's say, a, a period of, of four months. And so we have uh, this, this queuing mechanism so that not everyone can leave at the same time. And we have the slashed uh, flag, because if you've been slashed, then we want you to, to receive the, the, the slashing penalty, which uh, is going to depend on, on other people being slashed. Uh, I'll talk about that later. OK, so we have the, the registry. And then an, another important aspect of the registry, which for technical reasons is kept separate, is all the balances. So um, <clears throat> we have one balance uh, per validator. And the reason why we've separated the registry from the balance is merely an optimization. So the registry almost never changes. So you know, the pub key never changes, the withdrawal credentials never change, and the, the activation epoch is kind of a one-time thing, similar for the exit epoch. Um, so this, the, the registry doesn't change that much. On the other hand, the balances, they change at every single epoch because every single validator will get like a micro incentivization, like a micro reward or a micro penalty. <clears throat> and so this, this balances uh, structure is going to change a lot. There's going to be a lot of churn. And we're going to have to rehash it. And so to have less hashing overhead, we separate out the two. It's just a technicality.
phase zero of the Ethereum 2.0 network is in its final stages of development and testing. We do know that Serenity is being developed separately from the current Ethereum main chain, and at first will run parallel to it. Later on, the current Ethereum blockchain will be incorporated into the new one. Phase zero will feature a beacon chain POS system. It will not yet support dApps, but will lay the foundation for future phases. We are expected to see this transition to Ethereum 2.0 on January 3rd, 2020. Take a listen to Vitalik as he discusses future phases going into Ethereum 2.0. Right, so what is Serenity, right? So first of all, it's um, the fourth stage after Frontier and Homestead and Metropolis, and where Metropolis is broken down into Byzantium and Constantinople, with Constantinople coming very soon as well. Um, and it's um, a realization of all of these different strands of research that we have been spending all of our time on for the last four years, right? So this includes Casper, and not just hybrid Casper, 100% organic, genuine, pure Casper. Um, sharding, uh, eWASM, and uh, all of these other kind of protocol research ideas. This is a, a new blockchain for, in the sense of being a data structure, but it has this uh, kind of link to the existing proof of work chain, right? So you'd be able to, like, the um, proof of stake chain would be aware of the block hashes of the proof of work chain. You would be able to move Ether from the proof of work chain into the, into the proof of stake chain. So it's a new system, but it's a connected system. And the kind of long, long term goal is that once this new system is stable enough, then like, basically all of the applications on the existing blockchain can be sort of folded into a contract on one shard of the new system that would kind of be an EVM interpreter written in eWASM. And not finalized, but this seems to kind of roughly be where the roadmap is going at this point. Uh, Serenity is also the world computer at its really, as it's really meant to be, not a uh, smartphone from 1999 that can process 15 transactions per second and maybe potentially play Snake. Um, and it's still decentralized, and we hope that on, in many metrics it can be even more decentralized than today. So for example, as a beacon chain validator, your storage requirements at this point seem like they will be under one gigabyte as compared to like, something like eight gigabytes of state storage today and the uh, 1.8 terabytes that uh, trolls on the internet seem to think the Ethereum blockchain requires for some stupid reason. Um, Expected phases. Uh, so phase zero, beacon chain proof of stake. And beacon chain proof of stake is actually, is kind of, the blockchain is not kind of hold any information, right? It's kind of like a dummy chain. So all that you have is you have validators, and these validators are executing and they're running the proof of stake algorithm. So this is kind of like halfway between a test net and a main net. It's not quite a test net because you would be able to actually stake real ether and earn real rewards on it, but it's also not quite a main net because it doesn't have applications, and so if it breaks, people are hopefully not going to cry too badly as they, would, um, as they did when the Shanghai DOS attack made everyone's ICOs go slowly. Um, phase one, um, shards as uh, data chains. So basically the idea here is that this is where the kind of sharding part turns on, right? So 
The, the, here, it's just it's a kind of simplified version that doesn't do sharding of state. It does sharding of data. So you can throw data on the chain. You could try to make just do a state execution engine yourself, but really the simplest thing to use it for is data. And, and so if you want to do a decentralized Twitter on a blockchain, you'll now have the scalability to do this, but you won't really have the kind of all of the state execution capability to build you know, like smart contract applications and all of the really fancy complex stuff. Phase two, enable state transitions, and this includes enabling the virtual machine, enabling accounts, contracts, ether, ether moving between shards, all of this cool stuff. And phase three and beyond, iterate, improve, add technology. So expected features, pure proof of stake, um, faster time to synchronous confirmation, so about eight to 16 seconds. Now notice that because of how the uh, fork choice uh, rule and the, out and the uh, so, um, signing uh, mechanism works in the beacon chain, one confirmation in the beacon chain involves messages from hundreds of validators. And so from a probabilistic point of view, it's actually equivalent to hundreds of confirmations of say the Ethereum proof of work chain. Right, so you, under a synchronous model, you should be able to treat one block as being close to final. Economic finality and uh, safety under asynchrony comes after 10 to 20 minutes, and fast virtual machine execution via eWASM, and you know, hopefully a thousand times higher scalability, we will see. Um, Post-serenity innovation, improvements in privacy. Um, imp so there has already been a lot of work done. So for example, in Byzantium, uh, we activated the uh, pre-compiles for elliptic curve operations and elliptic curve pairings. And Barry Whitehead's been doing great work on uh, building layer two solutions to preserve privacy of coin transfers, voting, reputation systems. And all, all of this work could be carried over. Um, Cross-shard transactions. Um, semi-private chains. So the idea here is that if you want to build some application where the data is kept private between a few users, you could still dump all the data on the public chain, but you would just dump it in an encrypted form. Um, or you can dump hashes of it and use zero-knowledge proofs, so like your choice. Um, Proof-of-stake improvements. Um, there's definitely a place in our heart and uh, the roadmap's heart for Casper CBC. Um, when it becomes um, it becomes clear that it's uh, that, that there is a kind of a, a version that makes sense from an overhead point of view, um, post serenity innovation. So at some points we have well we want to and we do have a door open to kind of upgrade everything to Starks. So using Starks for signature aggregation, for verifying erasure codes, for data availability checks maybe eventually for checking correctness of state execution, um, maybe stronger forms of cross-shard transactions, uh, faster single confirmations, getting the confirmation time down from eight seconds even lower. Um, Medium-term goals, um, eventually stabilize at least the kind of functionality of layer one. Think about issuance, think about fees, um, agree more and more over time on kind of what specific guarantees people expect from the protocol and things that people expect to, uh, as features for the protocol to have for a long time. Um, think about governance. Now, what's next immediately? So what happens before kind of the big launch? Well, 
First of all, stabilizing the protocol spec. So for those who have been watching uh, github.com slash ethereum slash um, eth-2.0, uh, or sorry, eth2.0-spec slash stream um, master specs beacon chain MD, something like that, um, the spec has been kind of moving fairly, quick, fairly quickly. But, you know, it will stabilize fairly soon. Uh, continued development and testing. There's something like eight implementations of the Ethereum 2.0 protocol happening now. Um, Cross-client test nets. So I, I believe um, Afri had made a, sta made a uh, statement that he, uh, he hopes to see cross-client work like really picking up in Q1 next year. I mean, we'll see. That would be um, definitely nice to see a kind of test net working between two implementations. I mean, honestly, it would even be nice to see a test net working between one implementation. Um, like, really. Like, so... As a kind of quick history um, aside, right, the um, Ethereum 1.0 development, time between conception of the white paper and launch, 19 months. Part of the reason why it took so long is because we tried to get kind of cross-client compatibility way before the spec even finished. And so we had to agree, test, release the testnet, await protocol changes, agree test, release the testnet, await more protocol changes, and we had about five cycles of this. This time around, we have the luxury of kind of learning from that lesson, and we don't really need to kind of focus on cross-client compatibility until we have something close to a release, can uh, a release candidate of the spec. But I, I think we're actually not that far from a release candidate of the spec, at least for kind of limited portions that don't, that don't include a state execution. So we'll see. Um, security audits. Who here thinks security audits are important? Who here thinks security audits are not important? Uh, who here thinks the world is uh, literally controlled by lizard men? Okay, that's, uh, okay, so more people for the third of the second. That's good to hear. And then once we're done on that, launch. Uh, who here thinks launching is not important? Okay, um, who here thinks that your favorite political candidate is literally a lizard man? <laughs> okay, so launch, there we go. I mean, that's basically you know, like what, um, a, a, the milestone that we've all been waiting for, that we've been working toward for the last five, four to five years, and a milestone which is really no longer so far away. So, thank you. Investors in Ethereum, the most important thing to understand about the Ethereum 2.0 roadmap is that it proposes a radical overhaul of the protocol, and that will take a lot of time and back and forth to realize. You should also be aware that each of these phases needs to be delivered before developers can actually build on top of Ethereum 2.0. It is a marathon, not a race. And with that, let's get on to the end of the show.
All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Thriller Crypto is Dunsies. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you so much. Yeah, check out Ethereum. Check out their GitHub. They have everything laid out, all documentation there. It's 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 very much uh, much as you want to go deep into the rabbit hole, you can. It's pretty cool how far they've come, and I can't wait to see what the next. Gosh, Ethereum 3.0, 4.0. It's gonna be amazing. All right, you guys have a great weekend. Buy Bitcoin, save the world. See you tomorrow. This is the end of the show.